Let us listen together to the gospel according to Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. Here ends the reading. This gospel passage is one of those hard ones. Trinity, now are we live? Because I'm going to have to tell my parents, if they are listening in, which they usually do, that I love them. If you are sitting beside a family member, you may let them know that you love them as well. Hate your spouse. Hate your children. Hate your siblings. What could this possibly mean? It is a miracle that anyone followed Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. Give away all of your possessions if you want to become my disciples. Friends, what are we to make of this? So we search for a way around it. We could say that Jesus only meant this for the 12, only those 12 who were called to follow the man of Nazareth during his earthly life, and it doesn't apply to us, perhaps. Or we could say that the Greek word for hate, miseo, means something softer. It couldn't possibly mean hate. It might mean reject and only for a time so that if you were to set out on your mission, you would turn away from your immediate family to follow, but you would still love them and come back, perhaps. We could say that we are only removing people temporarily from a primary place in our lives as we enter the kingdom, where Jesus says everyone is father and mother, brother and sister. All are equally beloved in the kingdom. So our blood relatives would be not more important, but just as important than everyone around us. We tried this method a few months back when we talked about how some people say there is no such thing as other people's children. If the school system in the next town over is in in need, you care about that as much as if your own child's school is in need. If there is a town that has no clean drinking water, You are just as upset about that as if your own sister had no drinking water. If you see a home washed away in a flood, you are just as concerned for those people as if your own parents were living in that house. This is Jesus' way of binding us into a new community where love of family, instead of being unimportant, is the gold standard for how you welcome everyone. But my favorite way to wrestle with a hard biblical passage is to let it speak with, have a dialogue with, another passage. So let's turn to Philemon, our letter for today, and a very short one, only one chapter long. Raise your hand if you feel like you know about Philemon, or if you remember hearing a sermon on it. 
Philemon, Onesimus. So I have been so excited to preach on this tiny little letter today because I think it's so unfamiliar to us, and yet I think it says just about everything we need to know about a faithful life if we pay attention. So let us listen together. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although I in Christ could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, and now an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become both useful to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Wow. Has the story of Philemon ever been made into a movie? I think it should. 
Can you see gray-haired Paul? How heavy were the cuffs on his skinny wrists as he keeps himself busy writing letters to the churches he has planted, sending those letters all around the known world to friends and co-workers, fellow followers of the way of Jesus Christ? Can you see Onesimus? this runaway enslaved person, bringing him paper and meals from the outside world, keeping him strong? Can you see their tenderness grow for each other? Then can you hear Paul pleading with Onesimus, the one he calls his very own heart and like a son to him, and convincing him that he has to return to the scene of his crime and to the house where he was imprisoned, as hard as it is to fathom. But according to the laws of the Roman Empire, he stole himself when he became a fugitive, and Paul is sending him back under great threat. So can you see Paul writing, searching for the most convincing words all Onesimus will have to protect himself when he returns to Philemon is this letter. So Paul has to find the exact right words that will crack open Philemon's heart and help him know what God is calling him to do. So then, can you see their parting? They have put their faith in God and in this letter. And then Philemon, in chains. Sorry, Paul, in chains, counting the days. How many days will it take for Onesimus' journey? Does he etch them in stone on the wall beside them? And then how many days for a letter to return to him with news? And there is nothing to do but wait. Some say that we don't know what came of this story. We don't know what Philemon did when Onesimus returned. But we do, don't we? What would Philemon have done if he planned to have Onesimus executed? or beaten, and returned to his state as a captive. I think that letter would have gone straight into the fire. But instead, we have it. The reason we have it is that community cherished that document and copied it over and over. As parchment began to fall apart, they would rewrite it on fresh paper. They would send it to all of their sister churches so they too would know what Paul had asked, what Philemon had done, and what had happened in Onesimus's life since that letter was written. It became a testimony to what it meant to join this new family. So N.T. Wright helps us understand that this cross which Jesus asks us to bear, he says, take up your cross and follow me. You will see on the cover of your bulletin, an etching that shows people helping Jesus to carry their cross. And we might think of the cross only as a symbol of suffering, but atonement, the theologians tell us, can also mean at-one-ment. This is the place where we become one. The cross is the place where
we are asked to think that we could become someone else. We see someone who is hurting and in need. We imagine either that we are that person or that that person is Jesus himself. And here, instead of Paul talking about what Jesus has done, he does it. Do you hear him say, if he has wronged you in any way, I will pay it back. This debt that he owes you, charge it to my account. And he steps in in the place of Jesus. And Paul says, Philemon, my dear brother, by the way, you owe me your very life, but my dear brother and Philemon, see Onesimus, my beloved son, welcome him as you would welcome me. And Paul steps into the gap and reconciles the two of them to each other. There is no way forward as a Christian community if any one person could not welcome another as though they were family. We are completely reconfigured as a new society. So the cross that each of us has to bear is stepping fully into that new reality, sharing in koinonia, sharing as equal partners. So yes, this community copied that letter over and over again. Could Paul, a prisoner in chains, uproot the whole Roman Empire and set a new world order? Not exactly, but one by one, relationship by relationship, we can restore that order when we follow the way of God. When we, it's quite clear what Jesus would have us do, give up that idea of possession if it's something that could be shared with another. So, become brothers, he tells them. And then I love how this passage begins to wrap up. Paul is clever in this sly, foxy sort of way. Do you know those bumper stickers that say, Jesus is coming, look busy? Well, Paul plays on that idea when he says, oh, and by the way, again, he's in chains, but by the way, I hope to be coming to you very soon. Prepare a guest room for me. In this way, he reminds Philemon that they are still bound in community. He's on his way to check up on him and see what new reality they have created. So, friends, just as Paul believed that that day that Jesus was returning was coming soon and very soon, Philemon trusted that Paul might be coming soon and very soon. What reconciliation is ours to take up? What at one meant are we asked to create in this world? How are we asked to be the bridge, to step into the gap, to be Christ for one another? May we find out. Amen.